0: Yo, what's up, yo? This your boy Dog from English Black Friday. And guess what? Today we're going to have a little conversation about something that really caught my attention when I was 17 years old back in 2003. So I hope you guys get ready. It's going to be beautiful. Check it out. So hey, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? I hope you guys are having a great time right now. Well, I'm here today to share something that is very personal to me but I decided to open this up because I want you guys to know how the trajectory of my English learning process has been well exactly 15 years ago on March the 10th 2003 I was there for my first time in an English language classroom and that has been amazing ever since Well, the first teacher I had, his name was Igor. Igor was from Bongespasho, if I'm not mistaken. He was a great teacher. He has helped me a lot. And, well, I could not become anything other than English teacher. Well, okay, so I'm not going to focus a lot on grammar today. I'm not going to interview anybody. I'm pretty much going to tell you something that happened to me so this guy whose name is marcelo pimenta has been a great man in my life i mean what i'm gonna tell you here you know i told him a couple of months ago during carnival well he is so important to me because back in 2003 he came up to me and said "Hadri, i have the scholarship in a school called anglo skill in Belo Horizonte." And I'm going to travel to the United States. I'm going to a small city called Little Rock, which is the capital of the state of Arkansas in the south of the United States. And I want you to study English because, you know, it's going to be great for you. And whenever I come back from Arkansas, we're going to be able to communicate in English. His English was already so good. I mean, I studied with his brother, Marquinhos and with a couple of other friends of mine here. My first teacher, oh my God, he helped me a lot. And one thing that happened to me, I'm going to tell you and it starts right now. Have you ever heard of AAVE or Black English or Ebonics or BEV? Well, this exactly happened to me. I had never heard about that language until that man said that to me. He said, well, there is a variation of English, which is called AAVE, and I didn't know about that, and it always started like this. I have been patiently waiting for a long time before I could come up with this post for all of you. I have been studying linguistics and social linguistics for about 11 or maybe 12 years now, and nothing. I mean, nothing has made me feel so happy in my academic life like that. You know, and one day, this professor of mine at college said that to me, because I remember when I was studying with, uh, with, uh, Eager back in the school, I could barely understand my favorite songs, which were hip hop and rap. And my professor at college said that to me, maybe dog, you don't understand quite well the black American rappers because you're not studying the English that they speak. That definitely blew my mind at that time. I did not know what to do and when I was about to ask him the question, he interrupted me and said, you should work on your African American Vernacular English, AAVE, which is best known as Black English or Ebonics. Well, that's when it all took off. I could barely understand what he was saying because I didn't even know there was a variant of English like that, a variation of accents or different ethnologues and dialects like that. I just knew one thing. I wanted to learn English and I knew there was a difference between American English and British English. And that was the knowledge I had at that time. And ever since, Black English or African American vernacular English has become a very important part of my life. And because of that, I have decided to speak to you guys today about African-American vernacular English. Have you ever heard of that before? If not, pay attention to the rest of the podcast and you guys will learn a lot about it. The emergence of AAVE. When studying the historical growth and development of the English language, it is apparent that language changes over time and that change, although not always accepted, is nonetheless inevitable. In order to understand the English language, it is also essential to understand the nature of the language's variation to its fully extent. This importance is due to the scope of changes that the English language has undergone throughout history. From Old English to the late modern English time periods, the language has taken on different variations in different parts of the world. There are many assumptions as to the emergence of AAVE, but one of the most reasonable explanations is the speculation by Algeo and Piles that perhaps the variant did not begin in the early years of slavery. It is possible that most slave ships consisted of homogeneous groups who spoke the same language. It may not be until the slaves were actually placed on heterogeneous plantation with no predominant language that the idea of desperately needing to communicate with others caused the slaves to begin speaking in pidgin languages. Dillard asserts that many people feel insulted when told that their ancestors had to rely on a pidgin language, which is essentially the convergence of two separate and different dialects into one. Pidgins perhaps are misunderstood by those people because they, like other languages, have regular principles. Of sentence construction. Pigeons, when understood, should be viewed as historically influential because many languages emerge from the use of this system. Pigeons, as they develop, are historical processes and they provide an adequate basis for the explanation of the emergence of AAVE. According to Smitherman, Black talk crosses boundaries of age, gender, religion, region, and social class because it all comes from the same source, the African-American experience and the oral tradition embedded in that experience. This is an excerpt from African-American Vernacular English, a linguistic study on the dialect and the social implications for its speakers by Angela D. Holmer and Professor Bob Broad.
1: What's up? How you been feeling? My name is
2: Astari Perkin. Good morning, how are you today? My name is Nicole Howard. What's up? How you be feeling?
3: My name is Mauricio. It's not so correct here. How you be feeling? I don't think that's good at
2: language is about communication and it's communicating with at least one other person or entity so uh it it the words you choose the words you use the order in which you put words in um when you whether you have inflection what part of the sentence you have inflection with it tells a lot about i think who you are i grew up in an all black hood community all i was used to was my language but throughout my teenage years, I am facing in a lot of barriers that made me think is the way I speak is wrong? I think language is the foundation of society when you think about the way we communicate um, rules, procedures, whether they're spoken or unspoken, it all involves language.
1: How you talk, you know it shows where you're from, like you know people got accents like Chicagoans have accents compared to somebody who lived in Indiana or ohio like it's it's what makes us distinct from everybody
3: else. African-American English is basically the non-standard way that African-Americans speak at home or among themselves, especially the people that have not had the privilege of um, pursuing higher education. My sister and I grew up in two
2: different households. She stayed with my mom and I stayed with my dad. At my mom's house, they speak more proper. Well, I grew up at my dad's house, and we speak that black
1: talk. Well, basically, I grew up in the Cabrini Greens, which was a project, and it was the ghetto, so most people spoke Ibonics. I ended up coming to North London my freshman year, and I ended up moving back with my grandmother. And when I came here, I mean, it's an urban community, so. I felt like, you know, I was at home. Some
2: cultural groups, we, you know, we speak loud. Uh, and and some may um, interpret that loudness as anger. And it's not necessarily anger. So there's a kind of a cultural disconnect there.
1: I speak, I, I think I speak, I think I speak more proper when I'm at home. Because it's like I know nobody gonna look at me like I'm crazy or something.
2: Students learn what they hear the most. So whatever they hear from home, they're going to bring that with them,
3: those understandings to the school setting. It can be a liability uh, to speak African-American English in some settings because you become stigmatized.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? I'm back here again. You're listening to English Black Friday. And today we're talking about African-American vernacular English. So as you could hear... The professor saying, We're listening to Broken English. You can find the video on YouTube. Just type down Broken English with a question mark at the end. Well, as you can see, many African Americans are speaking that language, which is African American Vernacular English. For me personally, it sounds beautiful. It sounds like music to my ears. So, but as the professor said... Some of the African-Americans are stigmatized because it might not sound proper according to what they call the standard English. So listen to more African-American English as it is spoken by native speakers.
2: Last year when I moved back at my mom's house, every time I speak, my sister had a problem. She always tells me that the way I talk isn't right and I shouldn't speak like that. She's a speech therapist, and she thinks I won't go nowhere in life using that kind of language.
1: Before I came to my Flanville, I guess I talked like an Oreo, you know. I talked proper. Before I came here, an Oreo is a black who talks white, black on the outside, white on the inside, and like it just made me feel like.
3: I didn't belong, so I had to adapt to how things were in offline. We are in a system where Ebonics, like non-standard Southern English, like Appalachian English, for that matter, these varieties are not accepted in the upper socioeconomic strata of the society.
0: Wow, that's crazy, huh? So as the professor just said... Sometimes the African Americans suffer because of the way they talk. You know, we call that linguistic prejudice. You know, there are a preconceived notion that a person that would speak like that would act a certain way. And that is so wrong. And because of that, professors like Gerard McClendon from the United States has come up. Listen to what he says.
4: Axe or Ask, the African-American Guide to Better English. Gerard McClendon, welcome to Chicago Tonight. Phil, it's a pleasure. Thank you. No, not at all. Good to have you here. First of all, the title, Axe or Ask. Why did you come up with this title? I've been teaching Phil for about 18 years, and we are in a state of emergency. The African-American community is suffering from low expectations. 64% of African-American fourth graders are considered functionally illiterate, African-Americans suffer the most from social promotion, and we score 200 points lower than white and Asian students on the SATs. Axler ask, ask, the African-American Guide to Better English is basically a book that was written to raise the expectations. And as uh, I read your book this afternoon, and one of the points that you make is that you're not saying that uh, what's called black English should never be used. Black English is beautiful, Phil. It's a wonderful dialect. There are things that you can say in black English that you cannot say in other dialects. All I'm asking is that African Americans be able to code switch. What does that mean? Code switch. It means moving in and out of a situation to basically protect yourself, somewhat like a chameleon. A chameleon can change color to become a predator or to not become prey. And the black community basically suffers from economic, employment, and educational exploitation because we do not have adequate facility with the language. One of the points that you make is that language is not... If you go to an interview, for example, there's a particular way you dress that you wouldn't dress if you were just sort of relaxing at home. And you make a comparison to language is the same thing. There's some language that you would employ in an interview context that you wouldn't necessarily use when you're just hanging around with friends. So what you're saying is that, what, you want Uh, African-Americans to have the ability and the skills to switch back and forth? That's right. It's just like I'm on Chicago tonight. I didn't wear pajamas to this interview. I wore a business suit. There's a time and a place for everything, Phil, and that's what I'm saying. We don't use baseball rules in a basketball game. In football, you can run with the ball. In basketball, you must dribble. So with the English language, all I'm asking is that, black people, code switch. It's not...
0: Wow. Oh, who the... Man, I I had to pause that. So Gerard McClendon, who is apparently an African-American man, he's just telling black people that, hey, black people, you should not talk the way you talk at home because you don't really fit the business context with that language like that. Wow, but does the white man have to do that too? This really caught my attention when he said that. Well, but this is just a concept, right? I mean, we're going to have more listening, so pay attention and stay tuned. This is English Black Friday. Today, we're talking about African-American vernacular English from different perspectives. Check it out. Well, still regarding AAVE, there are some labels and myths that I would like to share with you. So check it out. There are many myths concerning AAVE, but one myth that is in dire need of being dismissed is that variant English is inferior to standard English. This myth may be due to the tendency for our society to automatically label that the more prestigious one is the more, quote, correct, and the lower the class, the more incorrect their dialect becomes. Dr. Byron argues... Correct can only mean socially acceptable, and apart from this, has no meaning as applied to language. The social acceptability and hence, quote, correctness of any form of word is determined, not by reason or logic or merit, but solely by the hearer's emotional attitude towards it. Wow, I personally agree with that, definitely. And because of that, I brought to you Jamila Liscott. Check her out.
2: Today, a baffled lady observed the show where my soul dwells and announced that I'm articulate. Which means that when it comes to enunciation and diction, I don't even think of it because I'm articulate. So when my professor asks a question and my answer is tainted with the connotation of urbanized suggestion, there's no misdirected intention. Pay attention, cause I'm articulate. So when my father asks, what kind of thing is this? My articulate answer never goes amiss. I say, father, this is the impending problem at hand. And when I'm on the block, I switch it up just because I can. So when my boy says, what's good with you, son? I say, Shh. I just fall out with them people that I've done. And sometimes in class, I might pause the intellectual sound flow to ask yo, why these books never be about my peoples? Yes, I have decided to treat all three of my languages as equal because I'm articulate. But who controls articulation? Because the English language is a multifaceted oration subject to indefinite transformation. Now, you may think that it is ignorant to speak broken English, but I'm here to tell you that even articulate Americans sound foolish to the British soul. When my professor comes on the block and says hello, I stop him and say no. You're being inarticulate. The proper way is to say what's good. Now, you may think that's too hood. That's not cool, but I'm here to tell you that even our language has rules. So when mommy mocks me and says, y'all be mad go into the store, I say, mommy, no, that sentence is not following the law. Never does the word mad go before a present participle. That's simply the principle of this English. If I had the vocal capacity, I would sing this from every mountaintop, every suburbia and every hood. Cause the only God of language is the one recorded in the Genesis of this world saying it is good so I may not Always come before you with excellency of speech, but do not judge me by my language and assume that I'm too ignorant to teach Because I speak three tongues, one for each home, school, and friends I'm a trilingual orator Sometimes I'm consistent with my language, now to switch it up so I don't bore later Sometimes I fight back two tongues while I use the other one in the classroom And when I mistakenly mix them up, I feel crazy like I'm cooking in the bathroom, I know but I had to borrow your language because mine was stolen. But you can't expect me to speak your history wholly while mine is broken. These words are spoken by someone who is simply fed up with the Eurocentric ideals of this season. And the reason I speak a composite version of your language is because mine was raped away along with my history. I speak broken English so the profuse gashes can remind us that our current state is not. that are driving my people mad. So unless you've seen it rob a bank, stop calling my hair bad. I'm so sick of this nonsensical racial disparity, so don't call it good unless your hair is known for donating to charity as much as has been raped away from our people. How can you expect me to treat their imprint on your language as anything less than equal? Let there be no confusion. Let there be no hesitation. This is not a promotion of ignorance. This is a linguistic celebration. That's why I put trilingual on my last job application. (laughs) I can help to diversify. Your consumer market is all I wanted them to know. And when they call me for the interview, I'll be more than happy to show it. I can say what's good, what's want, and of course, hello. (laughs) Because I'm articulate.
0: Wow. Come on. This is Jamila Liscott. This is crazy, man. I got goosebumps all over my body. This is beautiful. Thank you very much, Miss Liscott, for that poem. That has really opened my eyes to a different kind of concept of that language. That goes a little bit different from what Gerard McClendon brings on his book. But we're going to carry on because this is not over. This is English Black Friday, yo. We speak English, we talk about black culture, and we release things on Friday too. All right, this is great, man. Check this out. We're going to carry on with this little conversation about African-American vernacular English today. Alright, so here we are back again. So, as you know, we're talking about African American vernacular English. And I could never not say anything about that word. That many people might use it. Many other people just might think it should not be used. We're talking about the N word. And when I say N word, I refer to the word N I G G. E R or N I G G A Nigger or Negu. So what is your input? What is your take on that? Do you agree with that word? Do you disagree with the use of that word? Well, there's a big discussion in the United States about that, and I want you guys to hear this part. Check it out.
3: Right there, hey, if you was any bigger You'll be my big nigga. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down!
4: Nigger is a derogatory term used to insult our ancestors. See, if a white man used it, you'd be ready to fight. You're using it teaches him to use it. You're saying it's cool. Well, it's not cool.
3: And when you're around me, I
0: don't want to hear that shit. We clear? Yes sir. Yes sir. Yes sir. yes, sir. yes, sir. yes, sir. Wow. This is from a movie that I love very much. I've watched that movie over 45 times. The movie is called Coach Carter. And you just heard Samuel Jackson saying, nigger is a derogatory term used to insult our ancestors. Around me, I don't want to hear that shit. We clear? And people just go, yes, sir. Well, this is a very difficult discussion. I'm not going to discuss this today. I'm going to leave that for you guys to think about it. And then later on, we're going to definitely talk about the word that has made many people angry. And some other people just use that because they think it's cool. This is for later, but stay tuned. This is English Black Friday, yo. Well, apparently, Coach Carter does not really like the N-word. Look at what he said on this part when the guys used the N-word during a basketball practice. Those
3: glasses. You know, this is a country-ass nigga. Dog. Excuse me, did you say something, sir? Worm was wondering, are you some country church nigga with your tie on and all that? Right. That's what y'all say, right? And what is your name, sir? I'm Timo
4: Cruz, sir. Well, Mr. Cruz and Mr. Worm. What you should both know is we treat ourselves with respect. We don't use the word nigga. Are you some preacher man or some shit? Because God ain't going to do you no good in this neighborhood. I live in this neighborhood, sir. Sir, can you believe this uppity negro? Sir. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mr. Cruz. Leave the gym right now.
0: Wow. You see what just happened? Mr. Team... What was that? Timo Cruz said, uh, "Are you some church nigga with your tie on all that?" And then Samuel Jackson, who was playing the uh, coach Cotter, just said, "Well, Mister Cruz and Mister Warm, what you should both know is we treat ourselves with respect. We don't use the word nigger." So as you can see, some people might get really offended. So my recommendation to all of you will always be the same. Do not use the N-word at any circumstances. You never know how the other person will react. And maybe you will offend the person. So do not use that language. All right? So this is my suggestion to you. I hope you guys take that into account. Wow, so guys, uh, we're we're coming to the end of our podcast. So as you can see, I get super excited when I'm talking about this variant. When I talk about African-American vernacular English, I get super excited because this language is super dope, definitely. So this is our first podcast on African-American vernacular English, and I'm sure we're going to have more coming up. About this certain topic because you know I love it, and many people do not know about it, so I would very much like to share that with you guys. So, thank you very much for staying here, for staying tuned. If you guys want to check more about African American vernacular English, you could visit my fan page on Facebook, English Black Friday. Also, I have some super cool videos on YouTube. ...under the name English Black Friday as well, which is my channel. So go there, subscribe to the channel, ask a question, post a blog, post a comment. It's going to be amazing if you guys decide to create this discussion. And we are going to be that definitely to help you out, to help you understand this beautiful culture... ...which is African American culture and their language... So I appreciate having you guys here. This is English Black Friday, bringing the best content on African-American vernacular English and English learning. All right. So I'll see you then.